0: Hi, everyone. We're re-airing one of our top episodes with the lovely Gala Darling. I love this one. I always go back to reference it. She is such a powerhouse and really talks about how to manifest the life you want and let go of all the negative beliefs that we all have. But I remember doing this interview with Gala and left feeling so energized and so inspired. So I'm excited for you to listen to this one. Hope you enjoy it. And I'll see you back here next week with a new episode. Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori, and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to the show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. I've recently started a new business called BIA that helps women tackle their period problems and hormonal imbalances using a natural whole foods approach. If you're suffering from extreme cramps, irregular periods, fatigue, bloating, stay tuned because a little bit later in the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my company, Bia. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. I want to welcome this week's guest, Gala Darling, to our show today. Gala is a best-selling author, speaker, a professional optimist, and self-proclaimed tapping queen. She has been teaching Radical Self Love, a selection of powerful techniques and tools which help women transform their lives for over a decade and has helped millions of women. She's focused on helping women find their voice, live without fear, and fall in love with life. She's also here to educate us on EFT tapping, an energy psychology technique, and exactly how she's been able to use it to manifest the life of her dreams. She's been featured in publications like Vogue, The New York Times, Cosmopolitan, and so much more. We talked to Gala about her inspiring journey of healing her eating disorder and depression using tapping. She walks through different techniques and how manifestation can potentially change your thoughts, conquer our problems, and change our lives. Gala's energy is infectious. She is so real and relatable, and she gives such great tactical advice on how we can all manifest the dream life, relationship, and career we want. I know you're going to leave this interview feeling so inspired. Welcome to the show, Gala. Gala. Thank you for having me. Well, I know you and my husband go way back and met each other years ago, and I'm just so honored to finally meet you. I love your work and everything you're up to, so I just truly can't wait to jump into it. So thank you again for joining us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I would actually love to start with one of the teachings that you talk a lot about, which is all around beliefs. And I know this is something that I'm personally interested in, and I know will be so helpful for my audience. So I'd love to start with a bigger picture question around it. What do you think are some of the top limiting beliefs that you've seen get in the way of women's success?
1: how much time have you got? I know,
0: literally. (laughs) I was like, we need like five hours to talk today.
1: (laughs) There's so much stuff around not feeling that you deserve to have the things that you want. And I honestly think that's the biggest thing. And I think the deserving piece often goes hand in hand with, well, I've never seen someone who looks like me or comes from where I come from or acts like me have this kind of success that I want and we're in this really interesting space where people now can make a fabulous life in very unconventional ways that you know you couldn't do 20 30 years ago so much And so I I really want to remind people that just because you haven't seen someone do it, that doesn't mean it's not possible because we're all breaking new ground here. And my career is very dissimilar to anyone else's that I've seen. And yet I managed to carve this new path and do all these things. And so I think that's a really important thing to remember. Just because you haven't seen it done doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means no one has had the courage to try it yet. And Mm. you- be that person. And the only difference between you and the people that make something of themselves, quote unquote, or are well-known or any of those things is that they just refused to quit. That's literally the only difference that I have ever seen is just people who succeed are just the ones who are like, well, I'm not throwing in the towel today, so (laughs) let's keep going.
0: Yes. Amen. And I can't wait to talk more about this later in the interview about some of the tips you recommend to sustaining long-term success and the importance of feeling good and your belief system. So love everything you're saying and really trying to find people that you resonate with, which is a big reason I do this podcast as a hobby is like, how do we get more amazing, badass women who are paving the way in different ways to be an example for everyone listening? And I'm curious, Gala, like you have so much confidence. And I, what I so appreciate about you is your uniqueness and how you show up as you're truly yourself and your business. So who were maybe some of the people that you looked up to? Because I feel like you've really carved out your own uniqueness, which I just so appreciate. Well, I think
1: the thing that happened was when I looked at the people that inspired me, whether it was Louise Hay, Tony Robbins, RuPaul, Abraham Hicks. Yeah. I would call those my four like spiritual grandparents, basically. When I think about them they often preach a similar message, which is like, life is here to be lived. You are to be celebrated. You deserve everything that you want and nothing is impossible for you. So that's a definite message. But the thing that they all have in common is that they are so radically unique. They are so unapologetic about who they are. And you can Google anyone and find like things that they've said that you disagree with, or that you think, Oh Jesus, that's a bit, but It doesn't matter. You don't have to agree entirely with someone to take things from them that are valuable and use them in your own life. I would say that a lot of that confidence I have, I mean, partially it's just years in the game. Like I've had my business for 17 years now Mm -hmm. and putting yourself out there on the internet over and over and over again, you just realize it doesn't matter. People are going to be pissed today (laughs) and they're going to be thrilled tomorrow. And it really doesn't matter. None of them are coming to your house with a flaming torch, like zero of them.
0: That's true. That's true. And I love it because you have been doing this for, like you said, 17 years. And you have just shifted and iterated the person that you are, shifted what you focused on, shifted how you show up, shifted what projects you're involved with. So I think just staying in the game is really huge. And like you said, people are going to love you. People are going to hate you with every little thing. I remember once I (laughs) launched the podcast and, you know, you're so insecure early days of the early projects. You're like, do I want to do this? Is this my voice? And you're figuring all this out. And somebody had left a review saying, I talk too much. And you know, and, <laughs> it's, it's, a and podcast. it's Yeah, I know exactly. But the, <laughs> it's, and it's like they gave a really wonderful review, but the way your mind works is like you'll get fixated on that one little sentence, even though yeah. everything else is positive. Mm. And that's when I realized that, you know, you just cannot get bogged down by anyone's comments, reviews. So yeah, that stuff can really
1: be a mind virus. And I always think though, like those people that are mad at you this morning for something that you posted will often be the people that then go to a something that you've created yeah. later in the day, because that gives them such a boost and it makes them feel so good. And people change their minds about everything all the time. And so if, you're, if you feel that your job is to try and juggle all of these opinions and keep everybody happy, you're gonna absolutely lose connection to who you really are. And I think that's the really interesting thing about working in this online space yes, I'm an entrepreneur, but I also see myself as an artist and I see myself as an entertainer. And so there's that very delicate balance of, well, I want a business that generates revenue. Yes, for sure. But I also want to be true to myself. I don't want to do things that don't matter to me. I don't want to be here just to placate the algorithm. And so it's a very interesting dance that we're all doing. And I find that the more true I am to what I love and what I care about, then the better things go and the more people resonate because mm. there's so many people tap dancing for other people's pleasure and it actually is really, I don't know want to say revolting, but it's off-putting yeah. to see you're like, I know you're doing that because you're expecting XYZ outcome. What about the art? I don't know. Is that like an old-fashioned idea? I'm really into that.
0: Yeah. And I feel like you can also tell when someone is true to who they are, how you show up, whether it's on social or even offline at events, how you are with your friends. Like that's why I love this because I feel like everyone who's even listening, you are so unique to who you are. If you can double down on that, that's like your special sauce and the magic for your own life. And I knew that intellectually, but it wasn't until I put the actions in place that I realized even more and more the importance of that. Mm. But I love this. And actually, Gala, I'm actually curious, going back to us talking more about limiting beliefs and you saying, especially with women, the idea of deserving is something that you see a lot with the people you mentor in your community. This might be a simple question, but I'd love to get your perspective. Where do these limiting beliefs come from and how do you think they develop in all of us?
1: Well, I think a lot of it is about how we're socialized based on gender and What I have really found is that women are often raised to prioritize everyone else around them to kind of maybe they've looked at their mother and their mother, you know, put her husband's needs above her own, put her children's needs above her own, was always run ragged, never had time for herself. And even though you may have looked at that and thought, well, that seems terrible. If that's the only example you've really seen of what a woman is, then you're probably gonna just unconsciously follow in those footsteps. And I've never met a man who has concerns about oh, if I buy this car or if I do this business deal, is it going to alienate people? Are they going to be upset? Am I going to be rejected from the tribe? And it's almost like they feel the inverse. Like if I buy this car, I'm going to be celebrated. If I do this business deal, I'm going to get a hotter girlfriend. Whereas women literally were like, but if I'm too big, what if my best friend doesn't talk to me again? It's so interesting how that happens.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. And someone told me, I think it was, I was chatting with a friend a few weeks ago and she was like, sometimes we can be scared of showing up because... Of the potential and just being out there and the bigness that we can show up as ourselves. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but yes. it really resonated sometimes. Yeah, there is
1: a quote from Marianne Williamson, which is basically like, it's it's our light that scares us the yes. most. There you go. Because what could be possible mm-hmm. if we really showed up? And the truth is that your life can be so huge and so magnificent. And you may be a little bit afraid of that mm-hmm. because a lot of things come with that. You know, there might be a big tax bill and there might be internet haters and there might be people all up in your business. Like there might be other things that come with that. But I really think that when you give yourself the opportunity to be really big and really juicy, then what happens is you start to be faced with different problems. And they're more interesting problems, more interesting problems than how am I going to pay my rent this month? Or, you know, how do I stop texting this guy who actually doesn't care about me? Like You just move into a different realm where your problems are more fascinating and more interesting.
0: out of commission for at least a week every single month. And that adds up to three months in every year. Other than feeling frustrated that my really bad periods were keeping me from pursuing my actual goals, I knew that something wasn't right. Seed cycling is the simple process of using food as medicine to naturally support your hormones. It uses four different types of seeds, yes, actual seeds, throughout your menstrual cycle to support the balance of hormones like progesterone and estrogen and give your body critical nutrients it needs to achieve your best health. Within weeks of starting this process, I noticed major shifts in my period and my overall health. But I also notice that seed cycling is actually kind of hard to do. I wanted the best quality seeds freshly ground in the right amount, but it was very time consuming. So I decided to create a simple and effective way for anyone to start seed cycling today using the highest quality organic seeds in the right amounts with the right support. It's called BIA, and I'm so excited to bring it to you. Now anyone struggling with hormonal imbalances can easily incorporate seed cycling into their busy schedule with the BIA Seed Cycling Bundle. If you or anyone you know has been struggling with hormonal imbalances or bad periods, go to beawellness.com slash free. Once again, it's beawellness.com slash free to download our free guide to our top tips in tackling hormonal imbalances and to learn more about our seed cycling bundle. We included this link in the show notes along with a promo code for $10 off for all of our Behind Her Empire listeners. I know you're going to love seed cycling just as much as I do. Thanks for listening. Listening, and now let's get back to the show. Oh, I love this. And someone looking at you from the outside, you live a big life. You're very confident. It seems like you've always had everything figured out. But I know this wasn't the case. You know, you've been very open about your yeah. upbringing and how growing up was a bit tough for you. So can you talk a little bit more about that and maybe some of the challenges that you personally faced? Yeah. I mean,
1: I lived in a household that was emotionally unstable and what happens there is usually everyone else in the household learns to prioritize the the difficult person's emotions and they learn to discount or discard their own. And so as you do that, you become even more divorced from how you really feel about things. And we'll say, how do you feel? You're like... What do you mean? I know how I, what I'm thinking about, but I don't know what I'm feeling. Like I don't have access to that, and the result of that for me in the short term was self harm, eating disorders, depression, feeling really, really miserable, and over a longer term. Being unable to really show up emotionally in a relationship, being unable to be vulnerable, being unable to ask for help or say when I was scared or really say what I was thinking or feeling and just kind of pretending to be cool and chill all the time when actually there's this resentment bubbling under the surface all the time.
0: You mentioned you were dealing with that from your childhood for a long time until like your early adult years. And that suffering was such a big part of your identity. So what happened that really allowed you to let go of that? So when I was 23 and I was
1: struggling with eating and I was struggling with misery, I had a boyfriend who basically gave me an ultimatum and said, look, this is really tough. I love you, but I can't keep doing this. And you're going to have to do something about this, or I just can't be here with you. And he was really interested in self-help and self-development. And he found, it must've been on a really old version of YouTube, a video of EFT tapping. And I learned about that and I thought, okay, well, I'm willing to give this a shot because at the time I valued my relationship more than I valued myself. And I was like, well, if he wants me to do it, I guess I'll do it for him. And I discovered tapping and really it was such a transformative practice to go to bed one night after doing some tapping and wake up the next morning and feel completely different. And I used that on my eating disorder. And one of the things that prevented me from wanting to do that was I had this belief, and this is – if anyone is has struggled with depression or an eating disorder, you know that your mind really lies to you and really tells you things to keep you in those patterns and in those habits. And one of the lies that my brain told me was, if you're happy, your art won't be good. Mm. And I was really afraid that if I was happy, I wouldn't be able to create anything meaningful or of substance which is a really interesting secondary benefit, right? A really interesting thing to keep you locked into this place. My brain's like, okay, what really matters to her? Artistry, okay, well let's tell her that if she gets rid of us, then she won't be able to do that thing anymore. Mm. And I think for a lot of us in those those kind of patterns, there's a story that we're telling ourselves. There's this thing that we believe is fundamental to who we are, that we're going to lose something we really value if we change it. And it's simply not the truth. And, you know, back then I was writing short stories about love affairs gone awry. They were terrible. And now what I do is help thousands of women around the world with their limiting beliefs and live these huge lives. And that is five trillion times more value to the world than what I was doing previously.
0: Oh my God. I have a million questions right now with everything that you're going to say. But Let's go. I know. Let's start from the, the beginning in terms of for people who don't know what tapping is, because actually I wasn't too aware of it until I started learning more about your work. So maybe okay. if you can more about what is tapping and how does it work and have this strong effect that you experience, you know, the first and second time you did it. Yeah. So tapping is basically
1: acupuncture without needles. You're using your hands to stimulate meridian points in the body. You're tapping literally like you'd tap on someone's shoulder. Mm -hmm. And as you're tapping these points, you're talking through whatever your issue is. And essentially there's a lot of things going on biochemically. When you do this, you're bringing down your stress response, all kinds of things like that. But my belief about how tapping works is that when there's something in your life that you can't accept or you are in denial about or you hate about yourself, this feeling that you're generating creates kind of a blockage in your energetic system and you're not able to have movement around it. It's like when something gets stuck in a pipe, like a, a bull bearing gets stuck in a pipe and everything backs up behind it. And I believe that this is what happens in our lives and in our emotions when we don't deal with things when they come up. And so with tapping, you're literally pressing these points where the energy runs through your body. And as you're talking, you're talking about the problem, but you're also saying, even though I have this problem, I deeply and completely love and accept and forgive myself. And what I've found is that unless you accept something, you cannot change it. So you can deny it. You can put a bag over it. You can pretend it's not there but it's still going to create problems until you can look it in the eye and say, I see you and I accept you as you are, I forgive you, then nothing can change. But once you do that, game over. And tapping really is a way of rewiring your subconscious. The tapping gets you past the conscious mind into the subconscious, and you can literally create a new belief for yourself as you're doing it. So one of my favorite beliefs that I tapped in when I moved from New York to Los Angeles was The more fun I have, the more money I make. And that's a belief that changes your life because if you think the only way to have money is to work really hard or I have to marry someone wealthy or whatever you're telling yourself, then you're going to live within those parameters. But if you can create new parameters for yourself that are pleasurable and fun, then your life is completely different.
0: Yes. And talking about that move to LA and how you had, you know, I think when you were talking about how we all have these stories and we all have these narratives, you know, one thing that I've realized kind of starting my entrepreneurial journey, which I know similar to you, there's nothing more impactful for you to learn more about yourself than starting a business, right? Like all the demons come out. You're like, I thought it was okay. What is this? Absolutely. When I started my business, I would,
1: every day I would write down the limiting beliefs that were coming up for me on a piece of like a pad on my desk. And I would tap them out every single day. I would tap like five or six limiting beliefs out every single day. And if I wasn't doing that, I don't know how I could have stayed in the game so long because you're it's right. It's like spiritual warfare. Like everything comes up.
0: I love that. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I feel like I speak to so many aspiring entrepreneurs, you know, mostly women, just because of my, the world that I'm in and they all have insecurities, but we all do, right? Like the biggest thing I want to share is There's nothing that makes me and you different. And the other women I've had on my podcast, we all deal with these thoughts. It's how you move through it, which is like you said, what has allowed you to kind of stay in the game and be in this like spiritual gym for so long. And tapping is one way you've kind of worked through those beliefs, which I think is, is massive. And just going back to like you moving to LA and you really trying to tap into having fun can bring abundance. I also lived in New York and I'd love to kind of talk about this life before you move to LA because it really resonates with me is the energy is just hustle. You work really hard. And I feel like my nervous system was so used to that lifestyle and then when i also moved back to la and then jumped into entrepreneurship it was like a whole nother script that (laughs) working hard will not get you to the same places as like working in corporate or you know whatever that old life was for yourself like you have to do things differently but tell Mm. me more about why you moving here and why the focus was more on having fun and creating abundance because Honestly, as much as I know that's possible, I still have this limiting belief in the back of my head, and maybe Mm -hmm. other people listening do, of I have to work hard to create something big. Like, who am I to take a break when I'm starting a business or whatever that crazy narrative is? Right.
1: Well, there's such a balance. And I think there really has to be a balance of discipline and systems and getting it done and also resting, playing, being creative, and having fun. And by the time I moved to LA, I'd had my business for at least 10, maybe 12 years, like much, a really long time. So I had really been in that hustle structure, working all the time thing for a long time. And so I think there's a balance of that. And you just kind of need to know when to put your foot down and when to like ease off the gas. And I think that it's very easy for people to get burnt out in the beginning because there is so much to do. But it's important still to remember to have a life and do those things. But then at the same time, if I wasn't working as consistently as I was in the beginning, would I have the business I have today? Probably not because in a business, you need to throw about 5 million things at the wall to see what sticks. And if you're not Mm. passionate about it and really excited to work on it every day, you're not going to try enough things to figure out what works. And so it really is an all-in game. And if you don't feel excited enough about it to be all-in, then it might be time to pivot or it might be time to change
0: what you're focused on. Absolutely. And let's talk a little bit about your career journey. You know, I know you started off as a fashion blogger, but tell us more about that hustle because you were doing a ton of blogs every day. The consistency was there. So I'd love to just hear a little bit more about your evolution with your brand and when you realize like, oh shit, I can make this a business, I'm onto something here. So I
1: started my blog in 2006, which is the same year I discovered tapping. And after I tapped on my depression and my eating disorder from after years of wearing only black, I was like, wow, color is so fun. And I started wearing lots of color and really experimenting with clothing in this new way. And I decided I would start a blog to encourage women to dress up and enjoy their lives. And I really wanted to start a magazine, but I had no money. So I thought, okay, I'll do a blog. And if it works, like I'll do a magazine eventually, whatever. And I was really writing about my experiences with getting dressed up and self-expression. And as I started writing, I realized that what people were really asking me was not you know, what kind of jeans should I be wearing? What they were really asking me if I could read between the lines of the email was how can I feel good about myself? Mm. How can I feel confident? How can I have courage to leave the house wearing something bright or doing something different with my hair? And so I started to really write a lot about what it takes to build courage and inspiring them to do that and all of that. And it grew really, really quickly. And I think there's a few reasons for that. Firstly, my intention when I started it was for it to be a business, even though there was like three people making money from blogs at the time that I knew of. I was intended to be a business, but I was so excited about it. I was writing like five posts a day. Hmm. I was just so inspired by life, even though I had no money and very little resources. And I was tapping like every day on everything that came up. So I might get a shitty comment or I might have a concern like, oh my God, how am I ever going to make money from doing this? Or why would anyone listen to me, et cetera, et cetera. But I think because what I was doing was really unique, I was offered a column in Cosmopolitan Magazine in Australia. They gave me the whole back page and that really quickly grew my public identity as well. And Shortly thereafter, I moved to New York City and I kept doing what I was doing. But in about 2011 or thereabouts, 2010, 2011, I started to feel this real shift happening in the fashion blogging industry where it initially was a real band of outcasts and misfits. We were like proclaimed weirdos and it was a very, it felt like a really weirdo friendly space. And all of a sudden, these very wealthy model-esque women started to come into the space. And I would go to fashion shows and feel really like I wasn't supposed to be there. And I would look at Vogue would do runway coverage. And I would think, why am I bothering to write about this? Like, my knowledge of fashion history is not that good. And I can't take better photos than them. So what am I really adding to this space? This is just not feel like my thing anymore. And I looked around at other people in the self-help space which was really what I was reading in my free time was self-help blogs and self-help books and I thought, well, I really want to write about this like this is the thing that I'm actually interested in, so let me move everything that way. And I think I did a post where I told everyone that's I was going to like pivot, I was going to start talking more about radical self-love. Wow. And to my delight, a lot of those people came with me.
0: Mm. And
1: even today, I have people who are like, I used to follow you in 2008, and I'm so happy to rediscover you, which is amazing. But I think that having the ability to follow your passions and not make yourself wrong for changing your mind is so big. And you have to remember that as a person, you're multifaceted. You're going to be interested in about 50 different things minimum over your lifetime that are going to really grab you that you're going to really love. And I think it's important to have the confidence to just follow that thread. And trust that people are going to come with you. And like, yeah, you're going to lose some people, but that's okay. It's a process of refinement. Like I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she said, I've had this quantum leap in my business and I'm just, I'm really bored of what I'm talking about. And I'm really bored of the conversations I'm having with people. And I'm about to do a launch and I'm like, what the fuck do I do? And I was like, you got to follow what lights you up. Because people can feel when you're not into it anymore, mm. there's no authenticity and you wake up in the morning and you go, oh, fuck this again. yeah, And it's not worth it. And I think especially if you're in the entrepreneurial space like we are, you do have so much freedom to pursue what thrills you. And if you want to just force yourself to do the same old thing, you might as well go work for someone <laughs> else. It's <laughs> yeah. what they would have you do. I just think we have to let ourselves off the hook and we have to stop expecting ourselves to fit into a box that we chose when we were 23 and stay there till we're
0: 65. It's just not realistic. Yeah. Oh, that resonates so much. And even before I started this business, it's in the world of like women's health and hormones. And it's just through my own journey of how do I show up as my best self and health is one pillar of that. Right. So yeah. I care more about like, how do we empower all women? And that my business happened to be around health that I launched with Kea, my sister-in-law. And I remember when we launched, we're like, we're not going to be fixated about how we get the word out there and our first product, we are open to pivot into whatever makes sense in this umbrella that still gets us excited. And we're so mm-hmm. passionate about, yeah. and I just want to bring that up because I feel like there's a lot of people who might have an idea for a business might try some things and it doesn't get the momentum you're really expecting, even though that's a long-term game, but you see kind of like glimmers of hope or the universe kind of giving you an idea of like, okay, you're on the right path. But sometimes you might not be and it's time to pivot or think about something new. And I love that you said it's okay to change because we're not expected to be the same person our entire life, right? So yeah, and I've tried so many different things.
1: I've released so many different products. I've written about so many different things. And I think something that helped me, especially when I was doing a lot of blogging, I don't really blog anymore. But when I was doing a lot of blogging, back then people would be like, my blog's about shoes. My blog is about celebrity style. And I would think, well, my vision is a magazine. So I would think about Cosmopolitan and Vogue. They're written to a totally different audience, but they cover the same things. There's beauty, there's style tips, there's this, there's that. And I thought, well, I want to do that. I want to pick who I'm talking to. And I want to talk about everything that I think is going to interest them and that also interests me. And when that is your lens that you're looking through, it completely changes the game. Like if you and Kaya know who you're speaking to and what their values are and what they're passionate about, well, then there's about 5 million things that you could develop that would help them. And doesn't that feel so much better? There's just so much more possibility and potential there.
0: Yes. And taking that big move from shifting from solely fashion to broadening out your scope, that's a bold move. I'm sure there were insecurities that came up. So maybe can you walk us through some of those thoughts that maybe came in your head and how you really went through tapping? Maybe you can do like one example so people can really understand the process a little bit more. Yeah. So when I made
1: the shift, I remember thinking, well, I don't have a degree in this. I've never- Right. I've never written a book about this. I'm I think I might have been, you know, 26 or something at the time. I was young and people can use all those excuses like I'm too young, I'm not qualified, I'm this, I'm that, but my experience at least with teachers is the best teachers are the people who've walked through the fire and come out the other side. And I would much prefer to learn from someone who struggled with something and figured out how to overcome it versus someone who just had an intellectual curiosity, went and got a degree, and now is seeing patients. That's not interesting to me. I like the school of life and of hard knocks. It's so much more interesting to me. And I just think those people who have a, had a personal transformation are just much better teachers, much better teachers, and much more relatable too. Like, why would you want to learn from someone who never had the problem you had? They can't relate to you and you can't relate to them. So I remember really struggling with that. And But what I told myself was, I know my own experience and I know what I've managed to shift in my life. And I'm not saying like, this is your cure all and it's going to work for everyone and it's going to be tens across the board all I can say is here's what's working for me and share that. And a lot of my beliefs around that were predicated on an underlying belief I have, which is if you know something that's going to help someone, then it's your responsibility to share it with them. And there's a lot of people who truly don't believe that they really do think they have to gatekeep and, Mm -hmm. and there's this like scarcity thing. And I just, it's
0: just not how I play the game of life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so much of what we're talking about, our belief systems and tapping, you also talk a lot about manifestation. You wrote an incredible book that I was reading about. I was like, oh my gosh, we have to do a whole podcast on just (laughs) manifestation. Like there's so much to talk about here. But tell me more about the power of manifestation and maybe some high level steps that people who are listening can start today when it comes to kind of building this life that they've always wanted and manifest.
1: Yeah, perfect. So manifestation to me is a combination of action and receiving, like being calm, chilling out and relaxing so you can receive something. And what I find often happens is people learn about manifestation and they start to get really nervous. They start thinking, oh my God, I'm always thinking about what I don't want. And I'm creating all these terrible things in my life. And you almost put a mental curse on yourself, which is just not helpful at all. So Tapping and manifesting work really beautifully because say you want to manifest a beautiful relationship or something like that, but when you write down maybe the qualities of this person that you want to call in, you think, well, I'm never going to meet someone like that and why would they be interested in me and I don't know how to make something like that work. So you can use tapping for all of those individual little beliefs if you want to whittle them away. But when it comes to manifesting, my real favorite technique is something I developed back when I lived in New York City called the Magical Morning Practice. And this is so life-changing. It is so beautiful. It's so good. So it's really simple. So here's what you're going to do. This is, you're going to write this down. It's like three steps. You cannot make get this wrong. So. You're going to pick up your phone and you are going to open the voice memo app and you're going to start to make a recording and you're going to speak about three different things. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to talk about what you're grateful for and you're really going to feel it. Don't phone it in. I want you to really feel it. Talk about what you're grateful for for about two minutes so that you can change your emotional state so that you feel it in your heart. It's not intellectual. It's in your body. So that's the first step. The second step is you're going to talk about your day and what you want to happen in your day, but you're going to phrase it in the past tense like it's already happened. Mm. So you're going to say... I'm so grateful that I had such a beautiful day. I woke up early and I had this really good breakfast and then I had this great conversation and and this amazing, surprising thing happened that I wasn't expecting and my boyfriend called me and he said, let's go to Hawaii and I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing and I had a beautiful dinner and I went to sleep and I had great dreams. So that's part two. And then part three is you're going to talk about your future desire. And again, you're going to talk about it in the past tense. So you might say, I'm so grateful that my book was on the New York Times bestseller list and I moved into my beautiful dream home and it's even better than I imagined. I'm so grateful that my dog is really healthy and I'm whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's what you're going to do. And then if you're feeling really brave, you take that recording and you send it to someone that you love and you have them listen to it and they make their own and they send it back. And if you're really courageous, then the two of you do this every day for as long as you can. And there's a few things to know about this. So we talk about things in the past tense so that our subconscious can take those and accept them. Because your brain doesn't know the difference between something you want and something you already have. It really has no idea. And so when you say my book was on the New York Times bestseller list, your brain starts to reverse engineer that and figure out ways to make that happen. It's going to start to notice the blog posts or the the podcasts that are going to help you get to that point. You're really activating your reticular activating system. You're basically giving it cues of like, these are important to me. I want you to help me find them. And our subconscious is so powerful. So you really can give it tasks like, okay, help me do this, help me do that. And the way that you do it is by talking about it as if it's already happened. And then the other thing I love about sending it to a friend and having this be a habit, and I have so many people who have found their best friends through this practice and met through my website because of this practice. And now they've been best friends forever. But when your friend is listening to your practice, she's going to listen to it while she's driving or doing the dishes or putting her makeup on. And she is not paying absolute attention. So, She's hearing your gratitudes and she's hearing your future desires. And to her, it all kind of sounds the same. And so what she's really doing is amplifying that frequency of what you want. And she's starting to see you as that person, that person who has the New York Times bestseller list, that person who has that beautiful home. And so she's really helping you step into that space too. Mm -hmm. And then something else that she can do when she replies to your magical morning practice, Is She can say, oh, I loved listening to your message and I just wanted to tell you I had such a great time with you driving in your new car down the PCH with like Dr. Dre blaring. It was like one of the best days of my life. And when you do that, you're really helping each other get into that vibration where that thing is possible, it's fun, it's easy, you can see it in your mind And it's just such a beautiful practice. And some people like to do it on paper, but for me personally, and for most people, they find it more effective to say it out loud.
0: And how long would you say that entire process takes, like the ritual?
1: I would say it's maybe six minutes. Yeah but sometimes you like get really into it. You might want to go like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, but usually it's a fairly quick thing. And I love it because, because it's on your phone, you can do it when you're walking the dog, you can do it when you're making your bed, you know, it doesn't require you to like have a lot of equipment and all the, it's like very simple. And if you do it consistently, it's really beautiful to listen back to your old Mm. ones two years later and I have so many recordings where I'm talking about being in this beautiful relationship and I've met this amazing man. And then I have a recording when I met the amazing man. And you can hear how incredulously joyful I am in my voice. But at the same time, I was priming myself for this. I knew it was coming. I was ready for it when it showed up. So it's just a really incredible practice on, on many fronts.
0: I love that. I love that you can record it and reflect back and see the progress that you've made. And one thing you mentioned that really stood out to me is, let's just take the relationship example. You were really priming yourself to allow that person to come in. And Mm. I'm sure there's a lot of people who might think they're manifesting, but sometimes we can be a little bit forceful about the outcome. So can you talk more about priming and the release aspect of allowing something to kind of come in versus forcing it and having maybe a timeline and then quitting the whole process in general? (laughs)
1: right so it really helps to try to make something as fun as possible and with manifesting I really believe that you need to learn to enjoy the process because you're not going to manifest something beautiful at the end of a painful process it's not how it works you're not going to misery yourself to ecstasy it's just not going to happen for you right so see how you can make it fun so I was looking for this man or I was ready for this man and my best friend said to me I think you should write a book where you go on a hundred dates in a year to find your man. And I was like, okay, sounds fun. All right, I'm down. So that's what I did. And I set that intention at the start of 2020, not knowing what the year was going to be. And I went on 51 dates. He was my 51st date. And I would go home after all of these dates and I would write down, here's his name, his age, his star sign, and here are some notes about the date. And I just was continually open to it. And I kept thinking like, okay, this guy is not my guy, but it's going to make a really good story. And I just made it a fun part of my life. And it was hilarious to me. I had like a, a first date uniform that I would always wear and I had like a whole thing going. And It was fun. I think that it's really important to figure out how to enjoy the process. If you want to have a New York Times bestseller, well, then you might need to learn to enjoy the process of writing a book. And what is that going to require for you? Does that mean you need to block out A few days a month and you go stay in a cabin and you work on it by yourself? Or does it mean that you collaborate with someone else? Or does it mean that you mostly write it in your voice notes app? What's going to make it fun for you to do it? It's so hard for us to get ourselves to do things if there's no fun involved.
0: Yes. And I'm just laughing because how I met Drew was in a very similar process. Really, I I wasn't writing a book, but the whole, it was similar and different at the same time, but I kind of just got like burnout on meeting these guys. I felt like I wasn't finding somebody in my orbit and I was like, okay, there's no one here for me. But then I realized that's not the right mentality to have. So I kind of similarly made it a game where I said, okay, I'm going to write up, I'm going to go on these dates and I'm going to take away something positive from what I liked about this person. They might've not been the right fit for me, Mm. but everybody has a beautiful quality. There's something you can pull from it. So I think I heard Tony Robbins also say this about just like listing who you want in a partner, basically everything we've been talking about this whole podcast. Yeah, And I had the list. And sometimes you don't realize the details. Like, I think it's so important with manifestation is getting into the details of it. So I'd go on these dates and I'd write like, oh, this guy was like, talked about this. And I thought it was interesting. And I'd write it down, you know, whatever. It was so random. And then I would read it every night. And truly, like, it sounds so not true, but it really was the case. I literally wasn't sure how I was going to meet anybody. And Drew got introduced to me at one of the dinners I threw through a friend when I had no intention, but I was allowing that. And Mm. like one day and had like a more positive outlook versus there's no one out there. Oh, I have to go on this date again. I'm exhausted. So I really believe in everything you're saying. And I've Mm. done that with my personal life. And you look back and you're like, what? And Drew had one too. And his was way more detailed. I was like, how did you like... (laughs) How did you go into all that? But I love that. So, yeah,
1: when I was on this journey, I also had a friend. When I was at an astrology retreat in Tulum, years ago, I met a woman who was a real housewife of New Jersey. And it turns out that she's like a fabulous witch. And she sent me a message on Instagram and she was like, I do these love spell kits. It's how I manifested my husband. I need to send you one. And I was like, okay. So I did this kit and it was, you know, taking a bath with rose quartz and thinking about how you want to feel. But the real juice of it was writing down the qualities of the person and what you wanted them to be like. My man's got all of those qualities. Amazing. Even things like I'd written things down like he's not on social media and he's not on social media. So it's really, you really do have to be specific about what you want. And this is a really big thing that people miss. A, you have to be clear about who you want them to be. B, you probably want to embody almost all of those qualities yourself. And C, are you the kind of person that that ideal person would want to be with? Is there something that you need to work on? Is there something that you need to improve? If you want to be with someone who's like a health nut athlete, marathon runner with a six pack and you chain smoke cigarettes, then you may not be a match. So, just think about that. And then can you improve yourself? Because we always want like the best possible person for us, obviously, but are you being the best possible person yourself? Mm. We really have to look at ourselves too. Super important.
0: Oh, that's so powerful. And taking this out of the relationship context, but you, for example, manifesting your life. In another interview, I remember you were saying I think like one of your friends, you know, Joe Dispenza has a similar but different kind of a concept in the morning, you know, you're manifesting Mm -hmm. your future life. And I think you mentioned one of your friends went to his conference, Joe told her specifically, you're actually not thinking big enough. Mm. And I want to talk about this because I actually catch myself in that, you know, I, I'm doing these morning meditations, especially really this year. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't even think I'm thinking big enough. So how have you kind of Inspired yourself to think that way. And a lot of women who are listening, because I truly believe anything is possible. So, how do we push that Mm. boundary a little bit more?
1: It's such a good question. And, you know, when you start doing the magical morning practice, most people kind of start off, they're just like rattling off their to do list, right? There's (laughs) not any desire in there. It's really just about, like, what do I got to get done? But over time, that will start to shift because you're going to start to get really bored of saying your to do list out loud. And you're going to start to be like, well, I want to go eat cake on the beach with my best friend. I'm going to throw these things out there. So that will start to happen pretty naturally. But other things I think are really important is getting inspiration from people that are very different from you. So my -hmm. man, for example, is a great expander for me. He thinks in a really macro way, and he's often throwing ideas at me that I could never have conceived of. So he's a great source of that for me. And you may not have anyone in your life like that right now. So a really good way to do that is to start reading biographies and watching documentaries about incredible people and just see what they did. At the moment, my books in my bedroom, I have a biography of Anna Wintour. I've got Jane Fonda's autobiography. I've got Matthew McConaughey's memoir, which is fascinating. I've got a Joan Rivers book. And I have Pamela Anderson's autobiography coming and all these other people. And you can just – there's so much that you can do with your life. And Jane Fonda, I think, is such a great example. She's lived so many lives. And – Yeah. Watching some documentaries and getting excited about what other people have done is going to remind you that life is bigger than your social media feed. It's bigger than what your friends are doing. You don't have to do what they want to do. That's their choice. And you can do something totally different.
0: I love that. And I love documentaries, like literally drew jokes. I I don't watch TV unless it's like real in a documentary. Cause I'm like, I want to be inspired if I'm watching something, you know, or I'll go read something. But I feel that.
1: (laughs) One of my favorite documentaries is about Deanne Vreeland, who was one of the first editors of Vogue. And the documentary is called The Eye Has to Travel. And she was just this fascinating woman. She discovered the model Twiggy and she was besties with everyone at Studio 54, even though she was like 60 at the time. And she'd go about clubbing and just a fascinating woman. Yeah. So, and I love hearing about people, especially who lived in New York, who worked in like fashion industries or advertising. It's fun, it's glamorous, it's like sexy. I love all that.
0: Yeah, me too, me too. Well, you know, I also want to talk about it's actually a, an entire chapter in your book, and we've kind of sprinkled and talked about it throughout the interview. But you mentioned that feeling good is your job, especially when it comes to manifesting. Can you talk more about what you mean by that?
1: Yes. So my belief is that if you take action on something and you're in a bad mood, you're not gonna get a positive result. So if I'm grumpy and my boyfriend calls me, I can either pick up the phone and know that it's gonna spiral, or I can say, I'm not gonna answer this phone. I'm gonna do something that makes me feel good and then I'm gonna call him back. You will have a totally different life if you don't act when you're pissed off. And if you find that you're pissed off all the time, then maybe it's time to have a more rambunctious morning routine. So when I say feeling good is your job, what that really means is it's your responsibility to do things in your day that make you feel good before you act. And I just did a reel about this on Instagram about creating your morning routine. And I think that something that we really shame and punish ourselves for is being inconsistent with our morning routine. We're like, I have to meditate every day, but you're doing it and you hate it. Like, Why? So I think it's really important that your morning supports you in what you want. So for example, on Monday morning, my morning routine was I woke up, I wrote poetry, then I did an incline walk, and then I did a meditation, but I wasn't ready for the day until 12 o'clock. And so that's not effective or realistic for most of my days. So every day is different. Some days I'll dance in my living room before I get started. And often a lot of the time I'm so excited about the work I'm doing. I just want to get into the work I'm doing first thing. So, doing what you need to do to make yourself feel good is the secret sauce to life. And if you find yourself in a bad mood, then take a break and do something else. And often something somatic. So involving the body, whether it's dancing, tapping, going for a walk, something like that, even 10 minutes of Jane Fonda's aerobics video or something, but just do something with your body so that you feel good so that you can get back into the flow of life.
0: Yes. And I've definitely learned this the hard way again through business. And I cannot agree more like the days that something is tough and I'm not in the right mood. It doesn't help anything. It doesn't help the decision making. You just get so frustrated. So I've now literally, I've actually never done a full day of just like canceling all meetings. I actually did that on Monday. Mm. I just got back from a retreat And I was so great integrating back into work and whatever. And and Monday was just, I got back-to-back hits, which is so much. And that happens, right? And that's that's a life we chose. And it's a beautiful problem to have. But I just realized by 12, I'm like, I'm not feeling good. I had a really big podcast actually. And I just canceled my whole day because I knew I couldn't show up as my best self. Like I wouldn't be able to shine in the podcast. I can't, talk to other team members if I don't feel inspired. So yeah, you can't fake it, right? It's (laughs) like, it has to be
1: a real thing. And one of the things, honestly, I've learned to do is when I wake up in the morning and I am not feeling it, I don't force it. And I just say, Gala, it's okay. Just take the day off. And as a Virgo, that has been something that has been very hard for me to do, but I feel like in the last year, I've really mastered it. And the thing that's really fascinating to me is when I let myself off the hook and I just chill out for the day. The next day I hit the ground running. I feel so good. It's like my nervous system was like, thank you, God. I just needed to take a bath and watch a movie and like go to bed early.
0: Yeah. We really need that. We do. And how you mentioned you're like a Virgo and it's so easy, Virgo and not Virgo, like us to have judgment on ourselves, right? Of like, who are you to maybe take it slower today? If you can't take the full day off because you have a job and you have to show up, like we've all kind of been there, but just taking a little bit easier in whatever way, shape Mm -hmm. or form. But how do you get over that mental story of, you know, the crazy thoughts that come into mind of you shouldn't take a day off or gala. Like, what do you mean? You're fine. Just push through it. (laughs) Well, tapping definitely helps. And also just investigating your
1: beliefs, right? What is it that you believe? Do you believe I'm only valuable if I'm
0: productive? I love that.
1: I mean, that's such a lie. And it's, it's like, if you think about weight training, right? You Don't weight train every day because the day that you're resting is when your muscles repair. And the same is true of life. If you're constantly hustling and doing things, there's no space in your life for miracles to occur, for magic to happen. You have to have that balance where you just chill out and do nothing. And when you can learn to do that, your life becomes really beautiful because you realize there's more to it than just staring at your computer screen or being on fucking calls all day. Is that really how you want to spend your life? I know it's not. There's so much more out there for you. And if you don't believe that's true, then I really urge you to just like widen your perspective, treat yourself to experiencing more of the world. Last year in January, I took the entire month off of working. And it was so challenging because I realized – I don't know who I am when I'm not working. This is how I meet all my needs. It's how I feel important and I get love and I get to be creative and all -hmm. these things. And when I took it out of the equation, I really was faced with this, who am I if I'm not gala darling, making things, being on Instagram, dealing with DMs? Yeah. And so we have to just remember there's so much more to it. You don't want to get to the end of your career and maybe you've got a trillion dollars and you retire, but you're like, I don't know what to do. I haven't cultivated any interests. I haven't grown any relationships. I don't have any relationship skills because all I do is work on my business. And that happens a lot with women. Mm with men as well, actually. We pour everything into our business because we like, well, when I do A, B, I get C and that's great. And the reward system is so compelling. And so we become business geniuses and our relationships are a complete clusterfuck because it's much harder to be good at that. So we're just like, I'll just go where I'm good. And we have to learn to do things that we're not good at. I love to take pole dancing classes and stripper dance classes because I suck at it. It's really hard. (laughs) I love to be like, I don't know, Jesus, how is she doing that? But it's good for your brain. You have to do things that you're not good at if you want to have an actual beautiful life.
0: Yes. And doing different things early Mm. in the business, there's so much to do. And I realized I am literally just on my computer getting things done. And so, you know, you have seasons of that when you're launching or there's a Mm -hmm. lot of moving parts, but I definitely had that belief of, Things will only happen if I'm nonstop productive, which is Mm. so not the case. And like you said, I think what really helped me is meeting other entrepreneurs and asking them questions and what their day is like. And that kind of helps me push in that belief system that there are different ways to work create a better life, create more abundance. Like you working on the computer isn't necessarily going to bring that goal of yours in a faster way. If anything, I feel like it's pushed me back. Honestly, I I
1: totally agree. And even with launches, I really try to structure my life. So when I have a launch, I'm not at my computer. The next launch I'm doing, I'm going to be in Palm Springs at modernism week, touring Elvis's honeymoon hideaway and going to look at vintage clothing with my best friend. I am not going to be sitting at my computer or my phone, refreshing numbers. All day. (laughs) That is hell on earth. And we've created it for ourselves and we can step away from it whenever we want to.
0: You know, there's also one thing I want to talk about also in your book where you talk about why it's so important to have contrast and to have pain. Tell me more about that because I'm sure that will resonate with a lot of people listening.
1: Well, nobody wants that, right? Everybody's like, okay, well, I want the perfect man. Let me write down my list. Boom. Oh, look, he arrived. I Amazon primed him to my door. That was so easy. It's so great. But we really would be A, so bored if we immediately got everything that we wanted and B, that's not how life works. And those things that are difficult, like those shitty boyfriends or the painful breakup or the, re- the business that doesn't work, those are teaching you so much about what you need to look for next time. What were the red flags with that guy when you first met him? When you put your eyes on him the first time, how did you feel? And did you pay attention to it or did you just brush it off? And often I find with the relationships that weren't good, we didn't like that person when we first met them. Actually, we were like, "Mm." but for whatever reason, we overruled it. And then three years down the line, we're like suffering for our choices. And so we really have to look at what doesn't work in our lives as information. You know, my father always used to tell me that you don't learn anything by winning. It's the truth. You only learn by fucking it up. (laughs) And that's valuable. You learn how not to do it. And you're like, well, that was painful. I won't do that again. Like I put my hand on the stove, never again. So that's how we learn. And that's how we progress and progression and expansion, I think is really the whole point of us being here. Hmm. That's what we're here to do is to expand and create and learn new things. And so in order to learn new things, you're going to fall on your face a few times. And if you can learn to not take that personally, and just be like, this is part of the process, this is part of the cost of living a big bodacious life, then you can just take it more easily and you don't make it a personal failing. Mm. It's just
0: an experience. Oh, God, Gala. It's funny. I had a thought that came into my mind saying, man, I wish I knew you earlier my entrepreneurial journey because everything you're saying is so true. And then I was like, wait, I had to go through all these falls and these mistakes to really understand. Literally everything you just said just resonates so much to me. And I think, again, I talk to so many women who have these big ideas and they're afraid to take that step because, or they have these big audacious goals, which I think is important, but you have to start somewhere. And even if you fail, that's how you're going to kind of create the momentum and the awareness and you kind of learn through the process. So just taking that first step is so important versus just thinking about it all the time without executing. Because like Mm. you said, we all, if you're wanting to do this big life, if you're wanting to start a business, this is part of the process. And that's why so many founders are just people you meet that maybe you look up to they've gone through their own shit and they've had to kind of evolve as a person. So it's literally part of the process. So just take that first step. And yeah. the rest is history. But Absolutely. No,
1: there are zero people that anyone looks up to who have had an easy ride and it's been smooth sailing the whole time. That's just not reality. It's really not. So just know that these bumps and the scrapes are part of it and you just can't make it a personal attack. You cannot take it personally. You cannot be like, oh, this happened because I'm a bad person. No, it probably happened because you made a dumb choice. And that's okay because you didn't know any better. And next time you will make a different
0: choice. Ugh, beautiful. Well, Gala, as we're closing the interview, I'd love to ask you one final question. You know, we've talked a lot about women who might not feel like they're deserving of their life and kind of your perspective on there. But if you could leave them with one last words of wisdom and advice, what would you tell them? Oh my God. I
1: think it's that we always think we have so much time and you don't necessarily. Is this how you really want to live your life? And often I talk to women who feel like they're really stuck and they don't know what to do. And they feel like they're not sure how to get out of this funk that they're in. And I'll say, if there was a documentary film crew following you right now, What would you do so that the audience would actually sit up in their chair? How can you shock and delight and surprise yourself today? there is literally no limit on what you can do. You could sign up for a class today that will completely change the trajectory of your life. You could listen to a podcast that makes you realize, oh, there's literally no difference between me and that person I admire. I'm going to go for it. But tomorrow is not promised to you. And do you really want to end your life feeling the way you feel right now? It's never too late to change how you
0: feel. Gala. That was powerful. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad we did this. Thank you for taking the time. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny, and it's never too late to start your own empire.